We're excited to be partnered with Gulfstream Park for their championship meeting, highlighting the new Tropical Turf Pick 3, now three days a week, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The wager includes three turf races every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday with a competitive 15% takeout. Additionally, the bet features a $3 minimum wager and will run even if the races are moved from the turf to the tapita. Don't miss our Tropical Turf Pick 3 handicapping shows all throughout the month of January to get all your tips and analysis. Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast they said it would never happen. We're doing something that uh, we said in the past wasn't of interest to us. We've changed our mind. We have that prerogative. We are doing a Derby top 10 list, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Peter Thomas Fornital here with you in the Brooklyn Bunker, being joined by a man coming to us from colder climes in upstate New York. He's Jonathan Kinchin. JK, you pumped for this top 10? Yeah, look, I mean, look, I'm not over the top about these top 10 lists and what they really mean, but I will say this. There's 10 horses that I think are very interesting to talk about leading into the Kentucky Derby. And if we got to call it a top 10 list, what the heck, we'll call it a top 10 list. Well, part of why we're doing this also is we have a fantastic member of the team, Eric DeCoster, who helps out all the time with our In the Money Plus service, our free newsletter, inthemoneypodcast.com slash email. And he has put together an excellent top 10 list that we're really going to rip on and talk about. And that's where... We're going to begin without further ado, JK, let's start at number 10 as we do this countdown. And the first horse on Eric's list, which folks can find over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com, is Honor Marie. This is a horse that was a nice long shot winner. I was pleased to uh, give out on TV for the last race. But is Honor Marie a serious contender for a race like the Kentucky Derby from this far out? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, I think they're all contenders at this point, right? As we go through this list, we'll find out. Honor Marie specifically. Trained by uh, connections that used to work for Chad Brown and Todd Pletcher. So you know that there's going to be that experience on what to do with a good horse, getting a, a good horse to progress in the right direction. We'll touch on Todd Pletcher and Chad Brown a little bit later in this top 10. Uh, but this is one thing with Honor Marie that's a little bit of a concern to me. I typically don't like deep closers in the Kentucky Derby. I know that most people think mile and a quarter, longest race of their career, the longer the better. I don't think that's actually the case. I actually think that sometimes being forward is better. And we'll talk about that as well throughout this top 10. Anna Marie right there in the mix, but it's going to have to prove it to me. Maybe a little bit of an evolution to the style can warm me up a little bit more. Interesting. And obviously it's early in the season and these things can change. Not exactly sure where Anna Marie is going to be making the next start. Definitely more questions than answers at this point, but certainly a resume that warrants talking about on a show like our Derby Top 10 with this honor, Marie. We'll move on to a very exciting prospect who clocks in at number nine on our Top 10 hit list. This is a horse who's made just one start, but what an impressive start it was. What do you make of Knightsbridge, JK? Well, one of the things we'll talk about when we're looking at the Kentucky Derby throughout this this uh, triple crown lead up season is pedigree. Do these horses want to go this far, right? They're going to be going a mile and a quarter in the Kentucky Derby for the first time. Knightsbridge is a half to speaker's corner, a very talented horse. Uh, the Godolphin ran, but more of a one turn type of horse. So does that give us a clue that maybe Knightsbridge is going to have some distance 
limitations. But like you said, this horse was impressive last time, won on Breeders' Cup Day. I'm sure uh, the boys in blue might have even forgot about this horse. They were too busy winning big Breeders' Cup races with Cody's Wish and Master of the Seas. But I'm sure they still were pretty excited about Knight's Bridge. Sheikh uh, Muhammad obviously has been wanting to win a Kentucky Derby. And maybe just maybe Knight's Bridge is one of those horses that can get that done. He ran fast enough and overcame some adversity. But uh, how good was that race, Willie? Really, I think we'll find out here in the next couple of weeks. Horse won by 10, but the form of the race has not worked out very well. I think six have come back, none have won. But almost more importantly than that, a lot of the figures have dropped. So was it uh, beating trees by 10? We'll see. It was impressive enough. Knightsbridge definitely belongs on this Derby top 10 list. Let's move on to uh, to a horse that's uh, was under my radar before the the last run anyway in the Gunrunner Stakes. Track Phantom got the job done there, and uh, now looks like one who may have uh, some r- run for the roses in the future. I assume will be on the trail down in New Orleans based on starting the year in the Gunrunner. What did you make of that uh, Gunrunner Stakes? Yeah, look, I mean, it's it's a two-term stake. Uh, leading up to the Kentucky Derby, we know that uh, it's always important to pass that test. Track Phantom has a couple of good things and a couple of bad things going for him. The first one, he's trained by a Hall of Famer and Steve Asmussen, which is always something that uh, is nice to have in your corner. Unfortunately, it's the Kentucky Derby-less Steve Asmussen. As many races as he's won in this country, uh, the Kentucky Derby has eluded him. So that's, I would say, probably still a negative. For this horse, but I will say this: this horse is very forward, and I like horses that can be forward. I like horses um, that, uh, that, that that can handle two turns. Um, the one thing is that the pedigree suggests that maybe uh, this horse might have some distance limitations. But what they've done on the racetrack suggests something different. I would think Track Phantom is the type of horse that could continue to improve and climb his way up the ladder of this top ten derby list. Yes, yeah, certainly a, a sexy pedigree by Quality Road out of an into mischief. Damn, and we've seen this time and again in recent years where if the blood doesn't scream a mile and a quarter, as long as they can get mile, mile and a sixteenth on blood, uh, they seem the best trainers seem to be able to train them to get the rest of the way home. Let's see what happens with Track Phantom along the road to the roses. Next up, a horse, JK, that I know you have a, a deep and abiding love for, and it's not just because of the musical hunch play. Uh, tell us your history with Timberlake. Yeah, I mean, I made a huge uh, wager, I think maybe a $15,000 wager on the Breeders' Cup betting challenge on Timberlake to win that juvenile. Uh, he wasn't able to do so that day. He was training lights out up to that. He'd had some really big performances in races like the grade one champagne. Uh, and then he just had, had some time off. And in fact, when we were making this list, we I had to reach out to the jockey, Florent Giroux, to ask, hey, is Timberlake hurt? And he said he's training at fairgrounds and he will be breezing soon. So if everything kind of falls into place, uh, Timberlake could get right back in the mix of this conversation. And I think he's got a ton of talent. And uh, with a trainer like Brad Cox, there's certain trainers that give you a little bit of comfort in the fact that they're going to get these horses progressing in the right direction. Timberlake is number seven now, but in three, four weeks, he could jump right up to number two. <laughs> you could definitely see that happening. Brad Cox has won a Kentucky Derby, but uh, only learned of the victory months later after a DQ. 
I know he's eager to win one on the track, this native uh, Louisvillian, and uh, Timberlake certainly gives him a chance if he progresses from some of those excellent races we saw as a two-year-old. Next up on the hit list is a horse who uh, was very impressive visually, I thought, last out in the San Vicente, comes out of that Breeders' Cup Juvenile as well, and he's already been back, not on just on the white racetrack, but even winning races. Where are you with a runner like Muth? Well, I mean, if you look at him as an individual, he looks like the type of horse that can go on to win a Kentucky Derby, right? Brilliant as a two-year-old, grade one winner, trained by a Hall of Famer who knows how to win the Kentucky Derby, pedigree, class, speed, jockey. Oh, but one of those things might actually be a problem for him, which is his trainer, Bob Baffert, who it's been well publicized uh, as of right now, will not be able to run horses in the Kentucky Derby. And I'm not sure about the connections of Muth. Are they going to stick by their their guy in Baffert? Will they do that thing we've seen in the years past, tr uh, switching trainers? Uh, Muth feels like one that they'll keep with Bob Baffert. So it's really going to be an issue of, of whether or not he can run, whether he deserves to be on this list. The horse as an individual definitely does. He's got a lot of talent. He's progressing in the right direction. It was a nice comeback race last time. Uh, first start as a three-year-old, and I think he'll continue to progress. It's just a matter of whether or not he'll be in that 20-horse starting gate come the first Saturday in May. I would assume that with Bob Baffert's blessing, owner Amir Zidane would switch this one for the requisite races to get that place in the starting gate. It's just worth too much to the horse. Not only are we talking about this now $5 million purse of the Kentucky Derby, but obviously that purse is insignificant compared to what it could mean for a horse in terms of their future value, especially a $2 million baby like Muth, should they be able to win a race like, like the Derby. But I agree, it's a concern because we've seen these horses go from Baffert to other trainers and they haven't had that same form. It remains a question mark, but certainly on the body of work, Muth, a horse that deserves consideration for the Kentucky Derby from this far out. Let's actually pause for a second, JK, and let me ask you a general derby question about this $5 million purse. Very, very exciting uh, news to see, and I know there's been a lot on, on social media about this, uh, this, this increase in the purse. What does it mean to you um, as a fan of the game to see the, the big purse boost to the $5 million for the Run for the Roses? Well, I, I, mean, I think it's great, right? I mean, uh, look, uh, we have races in Saudi that are, that are $20 million. We've got races in Dubai that are, are, are worth tons of million. The Breeders' Cup Classic, uh, $5 million. But if you think about it, racing in general in this world, especially this country, everyone thinks about the Kentucky Derby being the biggest race on the biggest day. And to me, that deserves a big purse. And I, I think that uh, having a $5 million Kentucky Derby is definitely the direction we need to be moving in. That race could be I wouldn't uh, have a problem if it was a $10 million purse, especially the amount that's handled that day. So uh, I'm, I'm happy that it's growing. It's going in that direction and hopefully it'll continue to grow. Feels like a good use of some of those uh, KTDF funds that help in Kentucky racing in general. And yeah, it's not going to get a bigger field than we already get because you can't get a bigger field than we already get. But there is something that just feels sort of cosmically right about this. And, and maybe it leads to a purse increase in some other races in the Triple Crown Trail that might have a significant effect on field size moving forward. We'll have to see about that. Do want to let you know that today's video is brought to you by our friends at the Pegasus World Cup Betting Challenge. This is horse racing's most player-friendly handicapping tournament, and it's back Saturday, January 27th. I'll be there. JK will be there. So what makes this contest so great? Well, for one thing, first, first racing who uh, own Gulfstream and Santa Anita, they're going to be seeding the Pegasus purse with $50,000 of their own cash. 
you put up 6,000 per entry. Of that, 5,000 is your tournament bankroll with 1,000 fueling the prize pool. That gives you an excellent chance to walk away with money and much more money for you to rock it up to the top of the leaderboard. At an estimated 200 players, we're going to be talking about 250,000 in the prize pool. And then there's some terrific prizes. we got heaps of cash. We've got BCBC seats, NHC seats, and seats to the new and improved Ultimate Betting Challenge you're going to be hearing a lot more about. And you can play in the Pegasus Contest online at ExpressBet or on track at Gulfstream or Santa Anita. Think you have what it takes? Head over to pwcbc.com for registration and more information. And so we continue with our top 10 list as we get uh, to the top five and a horse who I think has a very interesting profile and has shown some real class on the racetrack in his two starts to date. Sierra Leone, another gunrunner baby. This one out of a Malibu moon dam. Uh, successful in, well, not successful, actually, ran a huge race in the Remsen, only to get run down late by Dordick, successful on debut with an open-length win in a race that's produced good form. JK, how keen are you on Sierra Leone? Yeah, I mean, look, I think this horse deserves to be in the top five. I think anytime you have a horse who can 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 do what he did, he made a huge run in that Remsen and did it impressively and did it against a horse in Doorknock, who I think, you know, is also in this top so I, I have no problem with the excitement of Sierra Leone. Like I said earlier in the in the in the show, I, I do have a problem with horses that come from way out of it. But maybe just maybe Sierra Leone can kind of progress in that in that arena of being a little bit more forward with a future Hall of Famer and Chad Brown. You'd like to think that some adjustments can be made through Sierra Leone's career to kind of get him a little bit closer. Now, the one negative I will say, I guess, about Sierra Leone, and I'll say the same thing about Doorknock. Is it since 1999, only four horses that have run in the Rebson have even made the Derby. Uh, and, and there's not been much success there. Zandon was third. Mucho Macho Man uh, was third. Bluegrass Cat second. Empire Maker second. But there hasn't been any wins of horses that have won in the Remsen. And I think that's a situation of like a horse who's ready to run in November going nine furlongs might not be the same type of horse who's ready to win at a mile and a quarter when everyone's caught up in the first Saturday in May. I think that's a fluke, honestly. I mean, we saw with Mo Donegal and Zandon horses that went on to have big grade one futures as three-year-olds. And I think it just depends on the group of horses. And we'll see. So far, the one form cue we have from the Remsen is a positive one. Uh, but we'll see what happens with Sierra Leone going forward. Hopefully uh, can bolster some of that New York form. I will say this, Pete. This is the Derby top 10, not the who's going to be good later in their life top 10. So I, the, the, the Remsen, to me, has just not been a productive race. Well, we'll agree to disagree on that one. Let's move on, though, to the horse that actually won the race, and that's Dornick. And this was a, this was a, an extremely uh, impressive and, and game victory, a, a horse that uh, led early, looked to be in trouble, and then uh, would not be denied, and a horse that's had hype on him uh, in large part because of his bloodlines ever since uh, Saratoga. Tell us what you think about Dornick. Well, I think you know how I feel about the Remsen based on how I talked about Sierra Leone. Um, with that said, none of those horses that have run in the Remsen since 1909 and come back to run in the Kentucky Derby were full brothers to the horse that won it the year before. I, I think Doorknock has a little bit more in his corner in terms of uh, the ability to continue to, to kind of progress. Um, Danny Gargan, although he's a, a good trainer who wins lots of races, um, he's had a couple of horses that have won the Remsen or run well in the Remsen and have not done much moving forward uh, in terms of the triple crown, right? Uh, Dubionel, who didn't really do much 
didn't make it into the gate. Um, and, and then Tax, another one who, who ran well in the Remsen and, and didn't go on. So doorknock has got a lot in his corner. But the problem with doorknock is, is this is a betting sport. We're talking about this mostly for betting reasons. This horse's pedigree and the fact that he's a full to Mage who won the Kentucky Derby last year, that's going to haunt his price for the rest of his Triple Crown season. He's always going to be a little bit overbet, in my opinion, and that's a little bit of a problem. He deserves to be here on the top five list, but I don't necessarily have much interest in betting him moving forward. Dornick apparently will appear next in the Fountain of Youth. Those are the plans. If I made you pick head-to-head between Sierra Leone and Dornick, I think you've tipped your hand which way you'd go. Yeah, I just I think Sierra Leone is going to just have a, a a better price in most stops along the way, um, unless of course Sierra Leone you know pops a couple of Grade One wins, then that can obviously change. But uh, as of right now, Sierra Leone. We're up to the top three, and this horse trained by a man we've talked about uh, a couple of times already on the show, and his name becoming synonymous with having Kentucky Derby starters year in, year out. I'm talking about the Todd Pletcher trainee locked last seen also in that very fast Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Yeah, look, uh, this is kind of an interesting one for me from a betting standpoint and also just a progression standpoint. People are going to talk about the number one horse uh, that we're going to discuss here pretty soon uh, as a pretty big superstar for Todd Pletcher. Now, I think that Locke is going to kind of get ignored because he's kind of the other Todd Pletcher in the barn. But he's got a grade one win. He ran well in that very, very fast Breeders' Cup Juvenile that we'll touch on a little bit later. Uh, he's he's trained by a guy on Todd Pletcher who, who knows how to get horses to win two-turn dirt races. I understand that he had a little bit of a daunting record in the Kentucky Derby, but Steve Asmussen, the winningest trainer in, in thoroughbred history in the United States, hasn't won one either. It's not easy to win a Kentucky Derby, and, and Todd gets his horses there around two turns on the dirt. He did finally uh, pop with a few with Always Dreaming and Super Saber. I think Locke will continue to progress, continue to improve, and continue to kind of be uh, ignored a little bit because uh, the, the guy in the stall next to him is pretty darn good. Yeah, we'll get to him in a minute. Locked another with that gunrunner uh, Malibu Moon cross. Very, very interesting runner. Do you mind about, at the end of the day, about that stat for for Asmussen? You know, I mean, people talk for years about Pletcher and supposedly some hoodoo around him. He's shown that to be nonsense, basically, I would say, based on how well his horses have run since. Does it bother you at all? No, no, not at all. I mean, it's, 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 it's some one of the best dirt horses I've ever seen in my life. Uh, is Curlin that, that Steve Asmussen trained. He trained him extremely well. Gunrunner, uh, one of the best horses in the last 15 to 20 years. Steve Asmussen trained really well, who ran well in the Derby. It's just there's 20 horses in a field. There's a lot going on. And Gunrunner got beat in the Derby. Curlin got beat in the Derby. Curlin was probably best in the Derby. I, I think if you get caught up in those situations, it, it could be a mistake. Now, I, I think maybe someone, uh, a lower level uh, trainer, without much of a record or experience, you could you could probably – uh, throw some stones their direction, but I wouldn't be tossing too many stones in the direction of people like Chad Brown uh, or or Steve Asmussen who have not won their first Kentucky Derby. Yeah, it's so easy to get fooled by randomness when you're dealing with a small sample. I, I agree with you completely. Let people bet against Asmussen and, and, and Chad Brown, and when the right horse comes along, they'll get it done. It might even be this year. Let's get to number two on the list, Jonathan. Getting back to another trainer with lots of derby history. And uh, once again, questions about uh, this one in terms of participation because of that trainer. I'm speaking, of course, about Nysos, son of Nyquist, out of a Bernardini dam last seen at uh, at Del Mar. 
winning impressively with a rock solid speed figure is nice. So serious contender for the Derby. And what do you think is going to happen with him? Well, the good news about us doing this top 10 list is that you and I don't have to make the top 10 list. So uh, our, our friend Eric DeCoster does. So we're allowed to just make fun of some of the ones that he puts in here. This one for me, I, I wouldn't have this horse as hot, right? Um, he's very talented and seems to have a lot of things going in his direction. He has not proven the two-turn test yet, although brilliant around one turn. And he is in the stable of Bob Baffert, who knows how to win a Kentucky Derby. I know we talked a little bit about Muth and what's going to happen with Muth. You spend $2 million on a horse like Muth, maybe you got to try to get them into the gate of the, uh, of the Kentucky Derby to try to get some of that $2 million back. I will say this about Nysos. This horse was bought by Donato Lani with Bayoma Corporation, who's had basically all of their horses with Bob Baffert. I would be shocked if they moved this horse. So it might just be a moot point that he's going to even run the Kentucky Derby because I don't see them making that change. I see them staying loyal to Bob in that situation. With all that said, talented horse in his own right, he still has a lot to prove in terms of two turns and uh, most importantly, whether or not he'll be in the gate or not. There has been some buzz about them not moving this horse from Baffert, but I, I think when push comes to shove, I mean, how do you not blink? It's, it's, it's just, it's worth so much that it, it, it would seem very strange to me to pass up on, on well, the literal time opportunity. I think the answer of why you don't blink is two things. One is loyalty. And the second one is the money doesn't matter to you as much. If, no, uh, if, if you were put into a position, Pete, where, where you had to turn your back on me, uh, <laughs> it, it, I, I, if it was for 50 bucks, I don't think you'd do it. If it was for 50,000, I think you would turn your back very quickly on me because 50,000 would matter. I, I don't think the money matters to the, the people that we're talking about here. And I don't think they'll make the switch. Uh, it's so much more than money, though. It is It is a sense of history. I mean, I, I would just think Baffert himself would want to, you know, be associated with it. But we'll see how it plays out. I Muth, to me, would be very strange if he didn't run. I think you have a better case with Nysos, just based on what sounds like the word on the street. An interesting question in any case. We've got one more horse to talk about, JK, and it will certainly be no surprise. We've seen this video a couple of times. Now we get to see the horse who was so impressive in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and so impressive on debut at Saratoga. Fierceness, son of City of Light, out of a Stay Thirsty Dam. This one just was jaw-dropping when it came to that Breeders' Cup Juvenile. How enthusiastic are you? I'm pretty enthusiastic. Uh, one of my biggest tests when looking at the Kentucky Derby, right? So we're talking about April, uh, you know, late April. I'm on an airplane. I'm flying to Louisville, trying to decide who's my final choice for the Kentucky Derby. One of the things that has to happen is this horses have to have triple digit buyer speed figures, right? A buyer speed figure, just like a quarterback rating in football, the higher, the better. It, I'm looking for those triple digits, those 102s, those 103s. And that can give me the hope that these horses can win the Kentucky Derby on the first Saturday in May. Fierceness ran a triple digit buyer in November of his two-year-old year. He also ran a triple digit buyer in his first start as a two-year-old at Saratoga. And not only is he running triple-digit buyers, he's running like high triple-digit buyers, like 108, 109, 110 looking figures. And if he can do that and progress just a little bit as a two-year-old to a three-year-old, I think we're talking possible triple crown possibility with a horse like Fierceness. And wouldn't that be fun, Pete, uh, up there on Lake Avenue having a triple crown here in Saratoga with the Belmont being here uh, for the first time? Now, you live in Saratoga, and you're telling me you think the racetrack is on Lake Avenue, Union Avenue. Get your geography right. Union. Well, I turn <laughs> off a lake. You know what I meant. 
Uh, Fierce, this was awesome. And the form of this race, this is one. The figure came back strong, and the form is very strong. We've had a couple of winners come out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, but almost more importantly, we've seen a lot of figure improvement. Not necessarily from Muth, but again, that was you know going back shorter. I'm not too worried about that, but some of the horses from down in the field that have come back, they've run faster. This is a legit race. This is a legit horse, and I absolutely understand your uh, triple crown prediction when it comes to fierceness. A horse I can't wait to get back to race. Just to be clear, Pete, I, I was saying that the after party will be at your house right off of Lake Avenue if there's a triple ground, uh, if there's a triple ground on the line. Sounds like the Holy Bull will be next for fierceness, and it's going to be a fun story to follow. And we'll be doing these videos throughout the year. If you're interested in more of our act, subscribe to the YouTube channel, please. Drop us a comment. Let us know who you think the top contenders are for this year's Kentucky Derby. We'd love to get that buy-in from you in the moneypodcast.com. So, uh, that's the website. Lots of free information there on the Derby, on daily racing. Check it out. It's uh, The traffic's been exploding lately, and we'd love to have you be part of the show and subscribe to our podcast feed also, In the Money Media, wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, this guy here has a pretty cool interview show, too. You might want to check out JK Plus One, one of the many things uh, we do here at In the Money Media. Got to thank you, JK, for your time today. We'll thank our uh, new producer helping out uh, behind the scenes, Andrew Brown. Really appreciate him and uh, and the contributions that, that, that he makes. And Really want to thank everybody for tuning in and checking this out. If you're listening to the audio version, hop over to YouTube and leave your comment there. We appreciate you very much. Welcome back to the In The Money Players podcast. Hope folks uh, enjoyed the show so far. But we've got some people I want to introduce you to because they're doing something pretty cool. I've had the pleasure of uh, getting to know them a little bit off air. And now it's time to get to know them on air. This is the team from the Sport of Kings Racing Partnership. And we'll we'll start off by introducing a woman I, I met uh, a couple of years back, we'll say, at the Paddock Bar at Saratoga. <laughs> Maria Lynn, how are things? Very good. A couple of years. It's probably more than 15 now. <laughs> if you can believe it. That's almost impossible, but I think you're probably right. Uh, right. Definitely those early years of the Paddock Bar. There are only a few people who were there every day, you and I among them. Also very happy to welcome to these airwaves for the first time. I've really enjoyed chatting about uh, music and uh, and sports and memorabilia with, but most of all, horse racing from the Sport of Kings Racing Partnership, Bob Berenson. Bob, what's going on? Hi. Thank you for the introduction. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a real privilege actually to be here. So thank you, Pete. And, you know, you've known each other for 15 years originated at a bar should i ask about your liver well the paddock bar is at the crowd mind you no that's you know that has me a little concerned you two every every other one is a is a seltzer you know that's how we <laughs> that, that, that's the only way you make it through there's a reason you don't see me at the paddock bar anymore and and part of it was because of the of exactly what you're referring to bob but maria my first question i want to go back further than that i want to go back to how you got into horse racing in the first place so I grew up in Saratoga, around the corner from the track. My mom had been taking us there since we were super young. She was a huge racing fan um, and had like her special spot that eventually became my special spot. And then all her track people became my track people that are still my track people today. And it's just, you know, the love started there. And I never missed a summer in Saratoga since. 
I, no matter where I live, I come back and I spend the summer to be at the races. The family that plays together stays together, that's for yeah. sure. And, and I'll, I'll slide your question later in the interview about taking something you're so passionate about as a fan and, and turning it into a, a profession as you have. But I want to bring Bob back in first and get a little bit of his origin story at the racetrack. Did Saratoga play a part for you as well? Not so much Saratoga. Now, I've grown up and I live in Hoboken, New Jersey. So I have ready and easy access to Belmont, to Aqueduct, to the Meadowlands. So I actually grew up going to the Meadowlands, originally with the Pacers and the Trotters. And then just out of nowhere, I was at a giant tailgate one day, and there was a huge tailgate. I had always heard about this infamous 16B tailgate. I'm a big giant fan, and I decided I would just kind of infiltrate it, go in and see what it was all about. And there I met our fearless leader, our our partner and our managing partner of SOK Racing, and our president and uh, founder, Michael Karras. Now, what, other than just rooting on the giants, he and I realized that we had this passion and love for horse racing. So we developed a fast and cemented our friendship actually almost immediately there based on those two mutual loves. And they're very similar in a way, you know, they're, you know, professional sports, whether it be football or horse racing, thoroughbred race, horse racing is highly competitive, very exciting. And there's a lot of camaraderie and that's kind of how I got drawn into it. And I've been with Michael ever since. So it's been a, like a 30 year run so far. Thing. These friendships, yeah. though, that are at the core of so much of what we do, and I could really see something about that tailgating, and I've been to many fine tailgates in the giant stadium parking lot, and it really is a similar vibe, I think, in a lot of ways to hanging out between races at the racetrack, the fun you get to have, the people you get to meet, which is such an important part of the partnership experience. Bob, how did you and Michael decide to take what you'd been already doing on the ownership side and turn it into Sport of Kings Racing Partnership. It was that shared experience and that real love of not only just game day or race day, but the exhilaration you get when your team does well. And I look at a thoroughbred, and I think the industry does as well, as a way for an individual, once you own one, to feel like you have your own sports franchise. And there's nothing more you know, exciting than rooting for your own team, particularly when you have some ownership in that team. But what happened was very organic. While we would go every weekend to, or every home game to giant games, and then started traveling together, we would also start visiting tracks as well. And we would see, like you had just mentioned, that people that enjoy the environment just much, just as much as a tailgate as they do at the track. It becomes a fraternity. It becomes a way to bond, particularly when you're both rooting on the same horses. Um, we started to develop this idea for Sport of Kings Racing because we wanted to share that excitement with friends. And then it just kind of grew from there. You know, friends would tell other friends, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the next thing that we knew, we had a group of people all connected through different avenues of just wanting to have that wonderful experience. And that's why Maria came on with us as well, because, you know, we met her through some 
really knowledgeable trainers and people through the track that said, you've got to meet this woman. She's a wonderful advocate for this for thoroughbred racehorsing. She brings a lot of energy and vitality, and she truly loves the sport. And that's where I think we all connect, that love, that uh, camaraderie, that friendship that's get, that gets built through the thoroughbred racing you know, community and experience. Maria, I know you, everything Bob is saying is true. I mean, really just a, a terrific person, as we've seen over the years, to, to have in groups around the track. But boy, what a change as somebody who'd worked in different industries as you had to, to make a commitment to working in the thoroughbred industry full time. Is that was that an easy transition for you? Is that something you're nervous about? I know for me, when something, you know, this used to just be my fun and now it's work, it's your work too. And it's still fun, but you know, it's it's definitely a shift. Is that something that has gone smoothly for you? Yes. Well, don't forget I worked at the racetrack as well. Yes. At like 18. So I had experience pretty much, you know, and traveling to the big races too. I mean, it wasn't just Saratoga. But because of all that time, I, I met so many people that were involved on a business level, such as yourself, uh, owners, trainers, whoever, all across the board. And then one of my best friends is an exercise writer. I got to see kind of every single aspect of this industry um, from the inside out. So coming into it, I guess, when I had the opportunity, when, when I was approached to get more involved on the business side it was an easy yes it was it was fluid it was it was i didn't have to think about it twice it was <laughs> by far the one thing out of all the things i've done in my life the one that made the most sense this is what i probably thought about younger all the time being at the track looking around how do i get in and make it my life and then it came. And I was like, this is what I've always wanted. Do what you love and you never uh, work a day in your life. Exactly. It sounds like That's horse racing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, bringing Maria into the fold, so to speak, was seamless. Matter of fact, she brought so much energy and a, a dynamic energy, as well as whether it was through osmosis from just being around trainers and the other you know, people at the track, she brought a wealth of knowledge that I didn't have, that even Michael hadn't experienced. Um, you know, we grow up kind of in, you know, whether you're a handicapper or someone that, you know, has um, interest in one side of the business, Maria ties it all together for us. She brings in all the different elements of, from owners and trainers and hot walkers and the people in the in the paddock people that michael and i as enthusiasts weren't didn't have as much access to until she really brought it all together yeah and i think it's and i've yeah. seen it in action i can i can speak to it myself i want you to talk about the, the, another key member of your team the Sport of Kings Racing Partnerships Racing Manager, Muhammad Mubarak, a name that'll be very familiar to horse players who've been going to, to, to Saratoga. Maria, explain what his role is with the team and, and how he got involved. So I met Mohammed back when I was super young, and he was with uh, Fustock, the Sheikh Mohammed Fustock, and Buckram Oaks Farm, and the Four Roses Stable. And I was probably 20 years old. And they were huge at that time. And they spent 
probably the whole summer in Saratoga. And they had so much success. They fell apart when he died. Mohammed came back around and his sons are both now training and he's over at Gulfstream. And we ended up running into each other in Ocala at a sale after like over 10 years of not really seeing each other. And from there, it just clicked. Uh, we were ecstatic to see each other. And I was like, well, I'm doing this thing that we're trying to build. And I think you'd be great fit for it. And I think he was very excited to jump on board and get more involved, you know, outside of what he was doing with his kids. And so it was a perfect, perfect match. And he's helped us come such a long way in such a short time. I mean, he's our, he's our horseman. That's great. I want to talk a little bit about the, some of the specifics of, of the horses that you guys have at the moment as well. But you know, this is a public, uh, a public facing partnership looking for, um, you know, to, to continue to expand in that regard. Bob, what do you think makes you guys different than some of the other uh, options out there for people who, who might want to get involved? Well, you know, differences can be wide ranging. You know, there's a lot of other syndicates or partnerships out there. We like to cons consider ourselves more of a partnership because the people get involved with us. You know, they've been friends and family. And and even uh, someone that comes in from the outside unsolicited or doesn't know us, but maybe sees this podcast, they become part of the family. And with that, a lot of access. Uh, we like to be very transparent about everything we do. And we like people that regardless of, you know, their percentage of ownership, we want them to be fully invested in and feel they're fully invested in the direction where Sport of Kings Racing is going. We do have a number of different opportunities for all different, you know, investment levels. But what we're trying to just do is, is do this in a professional way, but that doesn't overshadow the fun experience of being, you know, a partner with us. The experience itself really needs to be paramount. Maria does a great job of, of bringing, you know, someone into the fold and educating them in a way that they feel involvement, they feel excitement, they feel they have access without it being intimidating. I remember my first times going to a paddock and with my hands in my pockets and kind of shaking because I had never gone to the paddock before. I had never met a jockey. I was going to be talking to a trainer, a world class trainer. I didn't know what to say, what to do. And I thought there was this great formality to it. And, and, and there was this mystery around it. And now I feel very comfortable because of Maria and Muhammad and Michael. And I feel this kinship, this greater kinship with the industry because of that. And I think that's what we want to do for our partners. We want them not only to invest and possibly make a positive you know return on their on their investment but more invest in the experience as well so they feel good about that experience they feel more educated more confident basically more comfortable we want you to really enjoy your day at the track we want you to know that we're accessible any time if you want to talk if you have questions you know, regardless of how you might think they're fundamental or rudimental or, you know, we're there to help you work through those those hurdles. Now, we also do have some investors that are highly educated in the in the race business. 
So we want them to also feel that their experience kind of lifts us as well. We want their feedback as well. Sometimes we want, yeah, and their criticisms too. You know, we're very open-ended, which I feel not that it's been the experience with some of the other syndicates or, or, or some of the other partnerships, but that open line of communication with us is, is the ultimate. We want people to know they're involved. They're a partner. They're not just an investment percentage. They're a true partner with SOK Racing. It's a great way to learn. That that's for sure. I can I can tell you that from my own experience. I love that idea for somebody from the outside looking. And I, I've seen Maria in her role as uh, we will jokingly call her the, the cruise director in in our own uh, social circles because she's got she's got that vibe. She makes it fun, and she'll she'll tell you what you're doing. Uh, she'll tell you what you're doing right. She'll tell you what you're doing wrong. And in terms of Sport of Kings as a partnership, I think one thing that's interesting is just the variety of different sort of uh, wings you have within the brand. I mean, you're doing- Right, so, so we have, not to interrupt, but I wanna get those oh, in there because I know you touched on the several opportunities. I mean, we kind of wanted to offer everything across the board. So we have a stable that, in, that includes um, claimers, two-year-olds. We have yearlings that we're pin hooking. Um, we'd like to pull together a claiming partnership that Michael would be a big partner in because he really likes that like instant action side sure. of things. And then we have, you know, like our, our higher end quality horses that we'd like to see really take us everywhere. We have the traditional pin hooking and we have, you know, two great horses that we're going to be going to auction uh, with. And we, so currently we have a availability. If you wanted to buy in into of one of these or both of these horses, you always like to spread your risk. Sure. Having multiple horses is always advisable as opposed to just putting all your eggs in one basket, so to speak. We do have, you know, two beautiful horses going to auction soon. Uh, Maria is also going to be looking for people that are interested in future pin hooking opportunities where we'll come together as a as a collective with our partners and buy, you know, future horses for pin hooking. And that's for the person. Obviously, we all know what pin hooking is about person that isn't looking to race, but looking to invest. Those looking to race, we are we have a claiming partnership. And that claiming partnership is really dynamic. We have we're a group of people that will come together and we'll create a pool of money. And then under Michael's direction, as well as you as a partner, we'll go out and actively claim horses. And that allows you that immediate access, that fun of racing right now, right now you know, right then. And just for example, we have um, a number of horses that are going to be running. Um, and this is just an example of what we've been doing uh, to date. On Sunday, we had Shy Gecko run out of um, Aqueduct. And I'm happy that's that we, that we won. So I was there at the giant tailgate because I couldn't miss my tailgate. Normally I'd be at Aqueduct, but I had a tent of people cheering on. Some of them were our partners. You know, they, they cheer, cheered louder than when we beat the Eagles. Thank goodness <laughs> for that. But as this is recording on January 11th, we actually have at uh, Gulfstream in race seven, we have Kingfish Stevens running. Um, and January 14th, we have a horse at Santa Anita uh, into it. First time uh, out there for us. 
Exactly. We have two horses running at Gulfstream within the next couple of days. On January 17th, we have Peso. On January 19th, we have OK Fine. Again, both of those are running at Gulfstream. OK Fine won two weeks ago. Absolutely. We're on actually, since we started this, which I would say late spring of last year, like maybe, what was it, May that Coppola won? I mean, we've had 12 wins since then, which is incredible to start off with that. And I think a very good foundation um, for such a new stable. Sure. Absolutely. And different levels and different jurisdictions. I mean, there's there's a lot of things that are appealing. Maria, let folks know some of the trainers you're working with. People are always, always interested to hear that. So we love Ilkai and Mercan Kentamachi. We've done lots of great stuff with them. Lots of success in Saratoga. Five of those races we won with them in Saratoga. We have Rick Dutrow, as we know, just won the Breeders' Cup. We have um dale romans that has one of our best horses coppola we have newly riley mott and dallas stewart nice and we have linda rice Linda Rice. we have two with linda rice two of our two-year-olds are with her we currently have about 25 horses in our stable that are running i just wanted to give someone who's listening the idea that we're very actively you know running so if you're into action as I am. That's, I, I love claiming and I love, you know, when the horses run. Um, we are constantly putting, you know, getting our horses entered in some quality races. And people that want to participate um, can also do that now. They can, they can jump on board with a horse that's currently racing if they would care to. You know, and all inquiries you know, if, if someone's listening and they want to know more, they can definitely contact Maria directly and she can lead them through what's available, what opportunities are out there and what we're planning to do on the, in the future. You know, when someone comes to us, we want you to make uh, educated decisions. Um, We don't want anyone to ever come to us and feel like, you know, uh, they've been pressured to do anything. That's not what we're about. We want you to join the family, the partnership, and really good, feel good about the experience. The website that folks should check out, we'll have, we'll have shown that uh, on screen a bunch, but sokracing.com can learn more about the team, more about the different ways that you can get involved. And is the website the best way, Maria, to contact you? Or is, yeah, is absolutely. Yep. Terrific. Click on any of the links. It'll probably send an email directly to Maria and, and Maria will follow up with you. And if you prefer a phone call, you know, we can, you know, feel free, leave your contact information. And, um, you know, we look forward to, you know, people just investigating and, you know, and seeing what we have to offer as well as, you know, making some new friendships and having some really good bonding experiences. Yes. It's great stuff. Well, you've given us a bunch of horses to look for and root for, and we'll be following your story throughout uh, throughout the season here. And definitely want to have you guys back on again. Want to have Michael on to handicap some of the races you're in when yes. the when the timing lines up. That's going to be a lot of fun too. But uh, but Bob and Maria wanted to thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's been a privilege. Uh, we really can't thank you enough, and of course, all the listeners and viewers. Thank you so much. Thank you, Pete. Love you.
That's going to do it for this edition of the show. want to thank JK and Maria and Bob for stopping by. Reminder, we've got uh, content up over at YouTube as well. Sort of a produced version of the first segment of the show. I think you'll enjoy that. And you can help us out by dropping a comment over there, reviewing uh, the show, etc. Subscribe. You know, all that good stuff they tell you on all your other favorite podcasts. That'll help us out too if you feel like getting involved. Another real easy thing you can do is sign up for our free email in themoneypodcast.com slash email. We do have some exclusive content through there. Mainly though, it's just the best way to keep track of everything going on with the shows. And if you want even more, there's our plus service. You get little digests of the pics from all the shows and some extra content as well in themoneypodcast.com slash plus the most direct way to get that we got more stuff coming up this weekend. There is a live stream Friday night going over the Cal Cup day card. You'll find that in your feed and on YouTube. And we've also got shows for the Friday, the Saturday, and the Sunday All Turf Pick 3 at Gulfstream. So check those out. Make sure you're subscribed to our Black Feed, too, wherever you get your podcasts. That is uh, the best way to just get all the shows delivered to you as soon as they are recorded and Hosted. This show's been a production of In the Money Media. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your photos.